It's great to see everyone again. I just want to wish everyone a happy Easter, a happy Resurrection Sunday. Uh, I hope everyone out there is doing well. I'm just so excited that you can join us, even if it is only online. If you have any prayer requests, make sure and let us know what they are. So just, we'd love to pray for you. So please, please, just let us know how we can pray for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time to worship you and your word. Lord, as we celebrate Easter, as we celebrate your resurrection, as we celebrate the power that is living in each of us. Lord, I just pray that each of us would come to understand this in a new way, come to understand how you're living in us, but we also can live in you, and how we can have that same power by abiding in you, Lord, and that same power to defeat sin, Lord, to overcome the things in our lives that we would think that were impossible, to have joy in circumstances that would seem impossible. So, Lord, I just pray that you use this message to speak to us, Lord, that we would come to understand what our response to the resurrection should be, abiding in you. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Again, it's just great to see everyone. It's great to be here. I'm This Sunday... We're going to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is alive and the grave is empty. I just want to take a minute to explain who is Jesus. Because I think in today's world, there's been a lot of misunderstandings. People have the wrong idea or even the wrong Jesus. So I want to explain who Jesus is, the God that we serve. The Jesus I serve is the one that has defeated our sin and death. The Jesus I put my faith in is the God that came to mankind in the form of a man, being 100% God, 100% man, and lived among his people. The God that I offer my life to as a, on a daily basis as a living sacrifice, he lived a sinless life on this earth. For the sole purpose that he would give us eternal life with him in heaven. He loves each one of us so much that he allowed himself to be placed on the cross. Then dying, giving his life for each one of us. The Jesus I serve accomplished this work by taking our sins upon himself. Paying the price for each one of our sins. Past, present, and future. And the cost of this was his death. And also in his death, it separated him from the Father. But the Jesus that I know personally, he didn't remain in the grave. God rose him from the grave three days later. He defeated then sin and death forever, giving each one of us eternal life if we will just come to faith in him, in who he is, in what he's done. Again, the only requirement for this to receive that gift of eternal life is to ha- come to faith in him. My Jesus revealed this power to each one of us, this resurrection power afterwards. He revealed himself to hundreds. He re- revealed himself to the disciples before he ascended into heaven. That everyone would know that the Jesus we serve is living. All right. I just want to be clear because I think there's some mistakes sometimes that people, they say they serve Jesus, but when I talk to them 
I'm not sure if they really know the real Jesus. This is the Jesus that I serve, the Jesus of the Bible. We learned last week that Jesus didn't leave us alone when he ascended in heaven. He gave us a helper, the Holy Spirit. Now Jesus is an alive, living in each one of us today. So today, we're celebrating the resurrection, right? What Jesus has done for us, saving us from our sins. And now, indwelling in each one of us through the Holy Spirit, giving us that same power that raised him from the grave. Now Jesus has done all of this for each one of us in love. And we receive this gift that he's offering each one of us, this gift of salvation through faith alone in him. Now I want to ask a question before we get into all the passages. Are you a Christian? Give me a thumbs up if you're a Christian. Have you put your faith in Jesus? Give me another thumbs up. Have you welcomed the Holy Spirit to live within you? Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Give me a thumbs up. So the question is, if you say all these things, yes. What is your part in your relationship with Jesus? We have a part. We have a responsibility. Are you living in Jesus? Are you responding to the resurrection? What is your response? Yes, we have a part in this relationship between us and Jesus. It's true. It all starts with faith. And it's faith that we are saved. But then the Holy Spirit comes to live within us. And, but then we, we must then abide in the Holy Spirit. Are you doing that? Are you abiding in Jesus? Today we're going to study John chapter 15, verses 1 through 17. So if you've got your Bibles, you're going to need them. Please get them out. And we're going to begin a lesson today. And Jesus is going to use an example of a vineyard. Everybody got their Bibles? Give me a thumbs up if you've got your Bibles open. I want to make sure everyone's got their Bibles today. I know we're online. We still need to have our Bibles open. All right. Everybody got their Bibles. All right. Now, as, before we get going, I just want to give a little context as you're opening up to John chapter 15. I believe it's very possible that Jesus and the disciples, they just left the upper room as we studied last week, and they were heading to the garden. And I'm sure, very possibly, as they're walking to the garden, they maybe even walk through a vineyard or if not, very near one. So let's all try to put ourselves in this story. Could you imagine being in the upper room, hearing all the things that Jesus had been teaching, hearing about the Holy Spirit? Now you've gotten up, you're walking back to the garden. It's a nice cool evening, and you're walking. Now remember, Jesus had just taught All these different lessons. I'm sure your mind was racing, thinking about all these different things. But now Jesus is going to continue teaching, and he's going to teach about our relationship with him. We also know that Jesus was facing, instructing the disciples that, sorry. (laughs) We also know that Jesus is instructing the disciples just before they will face extremely difficult times. They are going to be a witness to the crucifixion. 
So Jesus knows this. So his instructions are based what they're going to have to walk through here the very next day. If everyone's got your Bibles, please open up to John 15.1. The title of this message is, What is Your Response to the Resurrection? Let's look at John chapter 15, verse 1. I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. Jesus is going to share his heart through these passages. His desire for each one of us is going to be shown through this analogy that he's going to use. Jesus is using a picture, a picture of a vineyard, which is used throughout many places in the Bible. This isn't the first time. In the Old Testament, this is something that disciples would have been very familiar with. Uh, Israel was commonly referred to as a vineyard. Also, the Messiah was referred to in this way. So the disciples were very familiar with vineyards. And they also were familiar with the actual vineyard, not just the analogy of one being used, because they were from that area. So they understood what it was to produce grapes, what it took, the work that it would take, how you'd have to care for the crop. They were used to this. It was part of their own culture. In fact, I'm going to turn in your Bibles, turn to Isaiah. You've got your Bibles. Turn to Isaiah. We're going to look at chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Now I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a rich and fertile hill. He plowed the land, cleared its stones, and planted it with the best vines. In the middle, he built a watchtower and carved a wine press in the nearby rocks. Then he waited for a harvest of sweet grapes, but the grapes that grew were bitter. Turn back to John chapter 15. In the Old Testament, we see here, very commonly, Israel was referred to as a vineyard. But now, as we get into the New Testament, we should know that the church, the church today, is the vineyard. Now, as we read through this, I'm sure that we know that the disciples probably didn't completely grasp what Jesus was trying to teach them. They wouldn't have truly understood it at the time. But Jesus really is teaching them about unity, about relationships. So we're going to see that as we get going. We, as we get going also, we should know that God, if we look at the, look at the scripture, it talks about a grapevine, and then it says that the Father is a gardener. So we know that God is a gardener, and we know that He is the one that provides for the vineyard. He is the one that provides for our church today and for us today. And the grapevine we see here in that verse, that's Jesus. And he is the one that produces the branches, which is us. And that, through us, is where the fruit can be produced. So Jesus is going to promise the disciples and promise us that he will stay united with us even after he leaves him physically. Let's look at verses 2 and 3. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Jesus is explaining, you see, there's only two type of branches. Do you see that? Look at the scriptures there. There's only two. There's those that will produce and those that don't. The branches that will produce will stay connected to the grapevine. These are the branches that will draw from the source, right? Remember, this grapevine is Jesus, and we are the branches. So if we stay connected to Jesus, these are the ones that will produce fruit. 
Now, as I read this, you see that the branches that do produce, look at that scripture again. The ones that are connected to the vine, you see in that scripture, it says sometimes they need some, some upkeep or maybe even some pruning. It's kind of strange when you think about that. I think we've all experienced this in our own lives sometimes. Have you, have you ever had some upkeep or some pruning in your life by God? I think we all have. We can all relate. Sometimes, sometimes God needs to prune some things in our lives, right? Have you had this happen to you? To remove some parts of our lives that maybe are not living according to his will. Maybe there's some parts in our lives that are not producing fruit. God's pruning in our lives can sometimes, it can be very uncomfortable, can't it? It can be difficult. It can even be painful at times. But we shouldn't resist God's pruning in our lives. In fact, we should embrace it. It's not always fun, is it? It's not always fun being molded into the image of God, because that's what he's doing when he's pruning us. He's molding us into the people that he would have us be. Now, do you still have the picture in your mind of the vineyard as you're walking with Jesus, looking at the vineyard? Think about it as you visualize a vineyard. What do you see? You see the branches and the grapes and the leaves. Now, as you see these big clusters of grapes, where do the grapes that grow, the best grapes, where do they grow? When you're looking at that vineyard, are they laying on the ground? Now, these best grapes, they're up high, right? In the vineyard. They're supported by some means, right? Now, these, these branches that have these grapes on them, they didn't, most of them did not lift themselves up, right? The gardener came in and tied them up or placed them up so they were supported so they could bear the best fruit, right? So the gardener, you can imagine, the gardener coming through the vineyard. He's grabbing the vine, grabbing them, and he's pulling them up. He's stretching them to support them so they're up high, and that way they can produce the best fruit. Yeah? Can you imagine that? Have you ever experienced a stretching in your own lives? Sometimes God, he'll take us, and he'll pull us in a direction. He'll stretch us in a direction that maybe we don't even want to go. We were quite comfortable where we were. But God knows where we will produce the best fruit that will be for his glory. So sometimes he will stretch us and then support us so we can produce fruit that would glorify him. I know this has been true so many times in my life. God has come into my life. He's removed some things in my life. He's pruned some things. And then he stretched me in ways that I didn't even think I could endure. But later I can look back and see that it was God that had done that for me. Look again at verse 3. Look at that closely. What does Jesus mean when he says to the disciples, which includes all of us, right? Because we're his disciples too. He said, you have already been pruned and purified by the message. What does that mean? I believe this, this cleansing he's talking about is spiritual. Take the taking away of our sins through the message, the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what cleanses us. And the disciples had been cleansed. They had came to faith. This verse tells us the disciples, they were already clean because they accepted Jesus. They had come to faith in Jesus. They were already ready to bear fruit for the kingdom because they had accepted the message of Jesus. 
Let's look at verses 4 and 5. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot produce fruit unless you remain in me. All this talk about producing fruit, right? Maybe some of you are like, I don't know what fruit's in my life. I don't know what I'm producing. I want to tell you something. We don't need to worry about producing fruit. We don't need to worry about that. We do need to worry about staying connected to Jesus. That's what we need to worry about. Then Jesus, if we are connected to Jesus, we are abiding in him, then Jesus will then produce the fruit. We don't have to worry about the fruit. This will, this fruit will naturally happen in our lives if we are connected to the vine. Don't worry about the fruit. Worry about your relationship with Jesus each day. And let Jesus do what he does. He'll produce the fruit. Our role, this is our role. I love that we can understand our role, right, in this relationship as we look at it. Our role and God's role is shown to us in this teaching. Our role as a branch, right, is to stay connected to the vine or abide through Jesus through, how do you do that? How do you abide in Jesus? How do you stay connected? Because that's our role, just to stay connected. We do that through reading our Bibles. We do that through prayer. We do that through fellowship with others, by going to church, by meditating on his word. Then, God, the caretaker, or the gardener in this story, is the one who will provide the sunlight. He provides the soil. He provides the support. He'll provide the water. He'll provide the protection that we need. He'll provide the food. He'll provide our care, our placement. All of our needs will be provided by God because he is the caretaker. He is a gardener. It is his vineyard. We are just to abide in him. He will provide all these things. We've been talking about this fruit. But, I mean, what is, what is this fruit? What fruit is he talking about here? Let's turn to the right a little bit to Galatians. Go eat popcorn. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I believe as we look at this list in Galatians, it's not inclusive, right? There's more. There's more fruit. There's more gifts. But it's a great start for us to start to have an understanding of the fruit that he's speaking of here that will be produced in us if we will remain in Jesus. God will do these things in our lives. Turn back to John chapter 15. Let's continue with verse 6. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch in wilters. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. Wow. Pretty stern warning there, huh? Some of these verses are kind of difficult to read sometimes, but we got to take these because there's a, there's, a, there's a real great truth in this, a warning from Jesus that those who refuse to abide in Jesus will face eternal judgment. We just saw an example, right? What just happened? Judas. Judas is an example of one that was with Jesus, right? He was connected to Jesus. But he chose not to abide, and he turned away from Jesus. 
And we know, we all know the story, how that turned out for him, don't we? Very stern warning. Let's continue and look at verses 7 and 8. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. Verse 8. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to the Father. You know, as I read them two verses, I look back and I really, I see two different instructions within them verses. I see first the instruction to stay connected to Jesus. And also I see the instruction to have his words remain in us. Again, we do these things through prayer, through reading our Bible, through fellowship. But as we look at that, Jesus gives us also a wonderful promise in these verses. If we will remain in him, Listen to this. If we will remain in him, our prayers will be answered and we will produce much fruit. I saw this, these passages and I read it and I was like, well, do you see the response in there? That if our response is to abide in Jesus, if your response is to abide in Jesus, this will bring glory to God. Do you see that in the verses? At the end it says, this brings great glory to my Father, just as Jesus did. Just think about that. Our abiding in Jesus is bringing glory to the Father, just as Jesus did. I find this amazing. We can bring the same glory to God as Jesus did. In the same way that Jesus abided in God, we abide in Jesus and this glorifies the Father. It's the same relationship. It's amazing. We all, then he talks about a true disciple. You see that? True disciples. If we are true disciples, we will do more than just believe what Jesus says. We will do more than just believe it. They will, we will let Jesus' words abide in us, and we will abide ourselves in Jesus. Let's look at verses 9 and 10. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey the Father's commandments and remain in his love. Think about this. We can remain in this love that Jesus is speaking of. This love that Jesus is offering is the same love that God had for Jesus. Imagine. It's the same love that God has for Jesus. How would you describe the love that God had for Jesus? I was thinking about it. It's got to be the greatest love that could ever exist. It's a love without beginning, right? It's a love without end. It's a love that is all-knowing. Think about that. It's a love that is all-encompassing, because that's another characteristic of God. And then Jesus tells us in this, to get this love and to remain in this love, just follow his example. Follow Jesus' example by obeying God's commandments. That's what's required of us, to remain in this love. Now, maybe you heard that. You're like, wow, that's hard. To obey all God's commandments is how I abide in him, how I remain in him. Sounds difficult? It's not. It's not at all. Well, kind of. We can't do it alone. Jesus He doesn't leave us powerless here. He doesn't. He gave us the power to do this 
through the Holy Spirit living in us. Through that power, we can follow these commandments and abide in Jesus and have that love and joy. We can't do it on our own, but we have that resurrection power living within us that we are able to do this. It's amazing to me when I see that. Look at verse 11. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Overflowing joy is one of the gifts that Jesus has given us through his resurrection. In love, Jesus is showing us through these scriptures how to have this kind of joy, this overflowing joy, the same joy he has in God is available to each one of us. And that's his wish that each one of us would have that joy in our lives. That's why Jesus has written these passages. That's why it is here. He's teaching us so we can have that same joy that Jesus had in God. So we have to all look and examine ourselves. Do we each have overflowing joy today in our lives? Are you in Jesus daily? We know Jesus is in you. You profess to be a Christian. But are you in Jesus daily? Now, as this, we continue in John chapter 15, Jesus' lesson is going to change a little bit. First, he's talking about a relationship, a relationship how we're supposed to abide in Jesus. But now it's going to change. It's going to be about a relationship that we should have to other believers. So let's look at verses 12 and 13. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. Verse 13. This is... There is no greater love than to lay one's life for one, for one's friends. We are powerless. We are powerless to obey this command. I don't know anyone that can do this. But we have the Holy Spirit living in us. And through that power, through the Holy Spirit living in us, He's enabled us to love each other, our fellow brothers and sisters, in a way that we would lay down our own lives. We'd lay down our own desires. We would lay down our own passions so that we can love each other in the same way that Jesus has loved us. And we can do that through the Holy Spirit living in us. Look at verse 14 and 15. You are my friends, and if you do what I command, I no longer call you slaves, because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends, since I have told you everything the Father has told me. What an amazing truth. We're no longer slaves. Think about this. What kind of relationship do you have with Jesus? How would you describe your relationship with Jesus? Think about that. Do you picture yourself as a reluctant servant of God? Or do you view Jesus as an intimate friend? How do you describe your relationship with Jesus? Think about it. If as a friend, as your closest friend, what is it? Think about your closest friend. What is a privilege you have with a person that is your closest friend? I know you can, my closest friend, I can call on him anytime. He'll always pick up. I can always rely on my closest friends to help me whenever I'm in need. I know my closest friends, they know me. They know when something's going on in my life. They know whenever there is a need in my life, usually before I even have to call them. Jesus is saying in the scripture, he wants to be your best friend. He wants to be your closest friend. Is that how you view Jesus as your closest friend? Is that how your relationship is based upon? Someone you can always rely upon? Someone that you can confide in? Someone you can trust? 
someone that will always be there for you. I love this. It's just beautiful. Let's look at verse 16. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. Again, to some wonderful, beautiful truths. You are chosen by God. Think about that. Did you know you were personally sought out by God? And then, after he's chose you, he's commissioned you. He has a special purpose for each one of us. God has given each of us a responsibility to go into the world and produce fruit. But not just fruit, he says here. He says fruit that lasts. You know, what is fruit that can last? Or fruit that can multiply? As we talked about the what it is. What is that? It's fruit that can reproduce. If you think of an apple or any piece of fruit, it has a seed. It will reproduce again and again. It's discipleship. We go out and we share the love of Christ with others. Then they, through the Holy Spirit, accept Jesus. And then they go out with the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts of this joy. And they go out and share with others. This is multiplying. This is the fruit that lasts. Fruit that multiplies. Remember, as he sent us out to do this, as he's asking us to go out and produce fruit that lasts, he is not asking us to do this on our own. We can't do it. We are powerless. Jesus says very clearly in this pastor, in this passage, Jesus says, ask for whatever you need. Ask for whatever you need to fulfill this calling. And in Jesus' name, it will be given. Amazing. Look at verse 17. This is my command. Love each other. Again, to sum it all up, love each other. Love God. Love each other. And the only way we can do this is if we remain in Jesus and have that Holy Spirit empowering us to do this. Now today we're celebrating Easter, or Resurrection Sunday. We're celebrating the defeat of sin and death through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we know now that Jesus lives in us, everyone that has come to faith. But we must also join in this. We have a part in this. Once he is living in us, we are also to live in him. Now, one way we can do this is by observing the Lord's Supper. We're going to join together, and we're going to observe the Lord's Supper together. And as you gather the elements, we obey this command from Jesus, right? One of the ways he said to abide in him is to obey his commands. One of his commands is to take communion, to take the Lord's Supper. Turn your Bibles to the right. Let's turn to Acts. I want to look at Acts. Chapter 2, verse 42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. Let's keep turning to the right a little bit. 1 Corinthians, chapter 11, verse 23. Read this with me. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed... The Lord Jesus took some bread, everyone's got their bread, and he gave thanks for God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's do that. Heavenly Father, we take this bread and we give you thanks, Lord. We thank you that your body was broken for us, Lord. That you, Lord, allowed yourself to pay our 
sin debt, that you allowed your body to be broken, that you allowed each of our sins to be placed upon you so that each one of us would not have to pay the price. You took the penalty of our sins upon you. You paid the price for each one of our sins. And you said it was done. It was finished. Lord, I just thank you, Lord, and I observe this today. We obey this, Lord, and just take this bread, and we thank you, Lord. Thank you for allowing your body to be broken for me, allowing me to have a relationship with the Father, allowing me to receive the Holy Spirit within my life, allowing me the opportunity to abide within you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. And we do this in remembrance of what you've done, Lord. And we look forward to the promises that we have with you. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Jesus. Amen. Please partake. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 25. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, again. We just take this cup, Lord, and we just announce this, Lord, that you paid the price through your blood being shed for each one of us, Lord. That your blood, your perfect, perfect sacrifice, Lord, your blood covered our sins once and forever. And Lord... We just obey you in doing this in remembrance of what you've done. And we recognize what you've done for each one of us, Lord. And we thank you. Each and every day, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you loved us enough that you came to this earth. You allowed yourself to be placed on that cross. You allowed your blood to be poured out for each one of us while we were still your enemies. In Jesus' name, we thank you for this covenant you've given us. Amen. Please partake. This is how we can truly have communion with God. Him and us, and us and Him. Becoming one in fellowship. We must know, as in any relationship, we have lots of relationships in our lives. But as any relationship, we must nurture these relationships each day. We have the same responsibility with Jesus. We have to reach out to him each day. We do that again, I've said, by reading his word, by being in prayer, by being in fellowship with other believers. If we are going to abide in Jesus, each day we must take action to do this. Jesus has instructed us through these words how we are to relate to him and how we are to relate to other believers. In these relationships that we have here that he's outlining for us, we have a responsibility in each of these. If we are going to stay connected, we have to do this in love. And if we will do this, if we will obey God's commands and love our fellow brothers and sisters, God will take care of everything else. He will provide the fruit. He will provide for all of our needs. That's Our job is to stay connected to Jesus. Jesus has given these instructions, right, concerning relationships. These are the, this is what he desires for each one of us. That's what he, he desires that we have a relationship with him and other Christians. Now, as we close, I'd like us just to think and look around the world around us. All the people that we know and that we see, 
There's so many people out there right now, especially right now, that are seeking joy. They're seeking joy in what would be considered maybe an impossible circumstance. They're seeking to have joy in a place full of fear. I think Christians and unchristians alike, both are in this position. Both so often seem to seek joy from the wrong places. They're trying to get an apple from an orange tree, you could say. If we want to find joy, we need to go to the source where joy comes from. True joy, true joy that under that overcomes any worldly circumstance can only come from one true source, and that's from God. And we've seen through these passages today, to receive this joy, to have this joy in us, we must stay connected to Jesus. We must abide in Jesus. This is how we draw upon this love, by staying connected. And in doing this, as we are talking about the resurrection today and Easter Sunday, if we are abiding in Jesus, we will then also embrace the resurrection power. The same power that brought Jesus from the grave will be in us. And that's how we'll have joy. You know, as we look through the world around us and how we can view it and what we try to do in it, the truth is we can't do anything without Jesus. And whatever we do surely will not have eternal benefits if we don't have the Holy Spirit living in us and working for us. We need to pray for a renewed dependence on Jesus each and every day. This is how I believe we should observe and remember the resurrection. That each day we would choose to come to Jesus and abide in him. That each day we would pray that we'd receive the blessings that will come from a one-on-one relationship with him, to be in unity with God. We know he's in us, but are we in him? To me, this is what the resurrection is about, a relationship with Jesus. This is a relationship that provides forgiveness of our sins through faith, but it also provides joy, a joy that is from God. I hope everyone has a wonderful Easter. I just hope that we can continue to fellowship together, and know that no matter what's going on in your life, Jesus is clear. He wants you to have overflowing joy, no matter what's going on. But we see in these passages, this is through following his commands, and this is through abiding in him daily, through reading your Bible, through prayer, through fellowship, through taking communion. So I just pray that we would all remember this, and make sure and just not just learn about Jesus, but really abide in him. It's not just head knowledge. It's to live in him. So please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time, Lord. We just want to give you thanks, Lord. Thank you for the resurrection, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that our faith is based in the resurrection, Lord. That through this, Lord, we are new creations, Lord. Through your resurrection, Lord, we have a new life in you, Lord an eternal life in heaven, Lord. Through this, our sins have been forgiven. Our debt has been paid. Lord, we thank you. Lord, I just pray that I would abide in you each and every day, Lord. I would seek to live within you, Lord. I would do this through reading your word, through fellowshipping with you, through prayer, and fellowshipping with other believers, Lord. And through this, Lord, I just pray that I would have that overflowing joy, that everyone here, Lord, would know that overflowing joy in a world that is just absolute chaos. 
but they would have joy in knowing who you are. So Lord, I praise you and I thank you. And I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys so much for worshiping with us and God bless you.